0: Welcome back to Smith Cyclopedia, the audio encyclopedia of the greatest band to have ever lived. All right, so on today's episode, episode ten, we are going to be talking about John Peel and the John Peel sessions that the Smiths did. Uh, to talk about this, we will have a very special guest on the show today, named Ethan Segmiller. Um, but before we welcome him onto the show, I just wanted to, I don't know express thanks, I guess, for you guys listening to the show in the first place. This will be a little bit of a longer episode. There is frankly so much more to talk about uh, on this topic than I had anticipated, but I feel like so much of it is very, very necessary. I don't want to give a long introduction here, um, but I appreciate the kind words that, uh, that you guys will reach out to me with and i appreciate the love and support that i feel um it really does feel like much more of a smith community um being able to run this show and interact with you all so thank you very much but a- anyways you know let's let's get ethan on here so ethan how are you doing
1: i'm doing good man how are you doing
0: i'm doing pretty well i'm excited to uh to talk to you on this episode um these the the john Peel sessions uh or at least like a couple of them have influenced me a ton when i was like first getting into the smiths i think that's partially just because you know that's what ended up on hatful of hollow a lot um and so they were just hugely influential to me plus i mean the idea of like radio djs and all that good stuff like good radio djs you know yeah 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 totally yeah i've been
1: i've been looking forward to this episode as well um i think this will be a lot of fun to talk about
0: yeah um but then like what's up what what's up with uh with you like in terms of uh like smith stuff have you have you figured out like uh, that your previous favorite song was a sham, or like <laughs> you got a new earworm or something. Uh,
1: that's a that's a good question. Um, I think so. Oh, okay, I do. So my girlfriend is also a Smiths fan, and it's this weird thing where like when like you have like friends or people that you're like close to who listen to the same music you do. And obviously, like, you both listen to it together and separately, and you talk about it, and, like, ones that they highlight, or maybe ones that, like, you hadn't thought about before. So, I, I have had that happen a lot. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, a lot of... Actually... Coincidentally enough, a lot of the stuff from Hatful of Hollow is uh, stuff that we kind of have talked about, um, and so I'm I'm going. Ba- I have always been more of um, a Strange Ways guy mm-hmm. and uh, a Queen is Dead guy, but I'm going back and appreciating the the Hatful of Hollow, especially the, the John Peel sessions a lot more. Um, just as that's kind of like been more on my radar recently so
0: nice yeah uh, all right also saying strange you're more of a strange ways guy mm, mad respect for that <laughs> um i love i love be some strange ways oh yeah all right well let, let let's talk a little bit about uh about our guy today so we do want to talk about like Obviously, the John Peel sessions that the Smiths recorded. But first, I wanted to give kind of a preface of, who the heck is John Peel? Um, yeah, because like, hugely, hugely influential name, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's been dead for nearly 20 years now at this point, and I feel like it's important to go over this stuff. Um, so John Peel, actually, you know what? I want to start off with, uh, with this quote by, um, Pete Townsend. So, uh, John Peel, hugely, hugely influential, uh, British radio DJ, uh, was one of the disc jockeys on BBC One for, like, 40-odd years, um, and... At his death in two thousand four, um, this uh, um, I I I don't know obituary I guess you could say yeah. was printed uh, with a quote from Pete Townsend which says he is irreplaceable. He didn't get caught up in trends, and yet by concentrating on the new and sometimes dangerously newfangled, he created new waves. I hope to heaven someone tries to do what he did. Without someone listening to all those CDs, so much great new music is going to be lost. And I feel like with that heavy statement over our heads, that is absolutely, like, uh, the legacy of John Peel is taking the new and the dangerous and the newfangled and bringing them to... uh, to the light this wasn't like you know pirate radio pirate radio has been doing this forever this was one of like the main guys for bbc radio one the most important radio station in all of england and he was just going around to all of these different like uh, counterculture genres almost like when nobody when nobody wanted to touch to touch punk at bbc he was playing he was playing the Clash, he was playing the Ramones, he was playing the Sex Pistols, he was playing Susie and the Banshees when no one wanted to touch hip hop, same deal, a, like hugely, hugely influential because he would give so many bands uh like a good jump start. But where was his jump start? So John Peel, um, born in nineteen thirty-nine, um, was born John Robert Parker Ravenscroft um kind of near Liverpool, England or Liverpool uh however however that's actually pronounced <laughs> um but he uh he you know not a lot of his super early life is notable um like He was in uh, the conscription for uh, the UK military, Um, he had a brief stint, like, trying to work in the cotton industry, et cetera, et cetera, but he would probably characterize his life mostly the same way that we would, like, bookended by music, like, his childhood officially ended when he heard Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis, and the rest of his life began at that point. and then, like, after his conscription in, uh, in the U.K. military, he moved to America and started uh, DJing for stations in, like, I think Oklahoma City. Um, do, 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 do. Yes, he was a disc jockey uh, with WRR in Dallas, K-O-M-A in Oklahoma City and K-M-E-N in Los Angeles um and this was in like the the mid-60s for most of these um, and frankly a lot of that probably just had to do with the fact that he had a Liverpool accent in the mid-60s and you know there there were uh, there were some other people with liverpool accents in the mid 60s so it kind of lended him some credibility <laughs> <laughs> um but as he as he garnered those uh those experiences in the united states when he moved back to uh to england he was able to uh he was able to start working uh for a couple different radio stations. Um, one initially starting off on uh, on a pirate radio station, but then he gets uh, he gets hired for uh, the BBC to be a part of their new uh, radio broadcast team. Really, like the first one that they had that was supposed to be like specifically for the masses. They wanted to be a part of the zeitgeist almost um, and so he got his uh, his show, his Radio 1 show in September of 1967 which was known as Night Ride and then later it just kind of evolved into the quote unquote John Peel show um, and also a show called Top Gear different than, you know, Top Gear Top Gear as we would know it today with right. like cars and whatever um <laughs> more like I don't know just very good music um but basically uh the whole policy at that time uh with BBC music is we just want to play the hits we want to play the chart toppers we want to play the stuff that people already know people already love etc etc um and Of the, I think, original four um, hosts of BBC One, he was the only one to kind of say, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to subscribe to that. I want to play music that I think is interesting and new and it's cutting edge. Otherwise, everything will stagnate. And his reputation for, especially like the first, I would say... 15 to 20 years of him on Radio 1 was everybody else at Radio 1 going oh we hate John Peel because he doesn't do what we say (laughs) he never he's never like playing the things that we want him to play and whenever you would bring up like oh well you know I think John Peel would really be good for this it was usually met with these feelings of like disdain like Are you serious? John (laughs) Peel? But history serves John Peel the victor here. I mean, if you look at his, like, look at pretty much anything uh, from uh, from John Peel obituaries, and it is, like, people saying, like, he is the one that supported us most when we were in our early careers. And this isn't, like, niche indie bands that like are not heard of uh to this day and whatever this is like jimi hendrix queen elton john led zeppelin the white stripes nirvana the smiths echo and the bunnymen pulp these are huge huge bands freaking um oh why is this name falling out of my head um if you want my body and you think i'm sexy come on baby let me know uh rod stewart rod stewart thank you (laughs) (laughs) um it's amazing like the sort of reach and influence that he had and even like um even like right up until he died he was one of the most influential people and not only not only British music but music as a whole you know oh yeah um so John Peel very 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 important figure so how did he get the smiths into his studio how do the two how do those two stories come together um as far as i can tell Um, And now I feel like I'm just kind of going on a monologue here. (laughs) Um, It's all good. um, As far as I can tell, um, basically it got to a point where the BBC decided that they wanted to have in-person live sessions because they wanted, they were only a lot, the DJs were only allotted like a certain amount of like hours that they could play records And so the way to get around that was having bands in the studio like for live sessions (laughs) um and most of the time they were kind of just like paltry affairs like yeah you know we'll have one or two of the band come in and they'll do like an acoustic set and we'll just do it in 20 minutes or whatever and all that stuff but John Peel was like no if they're coming into my studio For my sessions, I want them to sound really, really good. And so one day in 1983, his producer, friend, co-host, whatever, um, John Walters comes in to the studio and he says, John, John, we've got to get this band from Manchester in. They've just come down to London. I just saw them uh, the other night playing We need to get them in they're called the smiths and uh john peel essentially said like i have never or not i've never but it's very rare that i see him so excited about a band so absolutely we need these guys to come in (laughs) and so uh just around the same time as the release of hand in glove Um the Smiths go in for their first Peel session. John Peel Session One. Handsome Devil, Reel Around the Fountain, Miserable Lie, and What Difference Does It Make? And obviously we see a lot of these on Hatful of Hollow, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Some very famous tracks on Hatful of
0: Hollow. Except for miserable Eye, which doesn't make the cut, yeah, but um, I don't know what, what did you think of this uh of these set of songs? I really like them um,
1: I'm the kind of guy that i'm always i don't know, I'm sort of a version hunter, if that makes sense now, let, now absolutely let's, let's be clear, I did not say virgin hunter, uh version hunter, yeah, in case and anybody if... was wondering
0: yeah and if he was hunting virgins it's purely for sport purely blood sacrifice sort of thing not not sexual
1: oh as a purely purely for the the thrill of the hunt
0: yeah yeah not it's not lust it's blood lust
1: <laughs> I, I yes it's for my uh vampiric tastes if anybody is curious <laughs> Um, but,
0: yes, you're a, ver- you're a version hunter. A version
1: hunter, hunter yeah. No. <laughs> so I I love – I don't know. I, I think I started doing this with – it was either Nirvana or – I think it was probably Nirvana, where I would um, – they were really the first band that I started, like, digging into, like, their earlier demos and stuff, just because I think it was on a box set on Spotify or something. And realizing, Mm -hmm. oh, they like songs like, uh, like In Bloom or Heart Shape Box stuff like that. These existed like as far back as you know, uh, you know, the earliest days of the band. And so that sort of put me on this sort uh, of—I won't say quest, but like—had this desire to seek out early versions, early demos, or different versions, either like radio performances or live performances of uh, songs by bands. Really, any any band that I get into, I'll, I'll do that with. Um, and the Smiths, I think, is one of the most fun bands to do that with just because they have so much variety in mm-hmm. different versions of songs that you already know. So it's like, you can listen to, you know, Reel Around the Fountain on their debut which is a really good song and a really good like recording of that song and you can listen to the peel version of it and it's like has it's just as good but it has a different um sort of I don't know if attitude is the right word I don't know how I would say it but there's something different enough about it that it's like oh I want to listen to this version of the song sometimes
0: you know no absolutely I think, so, yeah, uh, what you were saying about like Reel Around the Fountain and like the different attitudes on the different versions. Um, in my reading, um, Real Around the Fountain on the John Peel session is actually a slightly higher key than uh, the debut album's version. So like just automatically, you know, you're getting something kind of different and also cool that, you know, they are recording it in just a different key, just, just for fun, I guess, just (laughs) because, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's, I,
1: I think it's interesting, well, that, even that, that you just said, like, just, if, if the only difference isn't that it's in a higher key, like, those are things that maybe, like, the casual listener wouldn't pick up on necessarily, but it's, like, like, you're, you're, like, brain can't help but like pick up on little differences like that even if you like don't notice it consciously which I didn't Mm -hmm. the first like couple times I listened to it um years ago it's like oh like there's something different and I can't put my finger on what it is and then you just mentioned that I'm like oh okay that's that's probably what I've been like trying to put my finger on all these years
0: Mm Mm-hmm. um and not only that but like I I feel like there's a certain atmosphere in the Peel sessions all of them where like you don't have this sort of like bogged down like musicians in a studio feel you just have like okay we're going in for a fun afternoon putting some songs down at uh, on this radio show that we absolutely love and that was the uh, that was the feel of the John Peel sessions was like we want new we want new music we want new artists we want artists that are doing something new even if it's like you know familiar sounds um we want something we want people that are doing something new with it yeah totally uh not only that but john Peel, as like a radio broadcaster was a very welcoming person he was very down to earth very likable There are multiple accounts of essentially people just, like, running into him and saying, like, he was just incredibly nice, incredibly charming. Like, there was this one account I read, um, I believe in an essay I was reading about his life, um, where someone was visiting England and they were listening to The John Peel Show. And at the end of his show, he would always kind of sign off with, like, some strange thing, like, all right, well, I'm going to go walk out of here, uh, lie down in a park, look at the clouds, and listen to what they're telling me. Um, (laughs) And on this sign-off, he had happened to mention he was, like, heading up to Brighton, uh, like, as soon as the show was done. Um, And so this girl uh, was like, I'm heading to Brighton soon so she called up the radio station she said like she practically begged them like put me on put me on the Peel show put me on the Peel show and asked John Peel if he would give her a ride to Brighton and he said you know if you catch me before I leave then yeah sure I'll give you a ride to Brighton and then like she gets there in around in like 40 minutes and he was waiting for her uh and then they just drove to Brighton and he was like here you go Um, here's free tickets to the gig in Brighton tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Just an incredibly down-to-earth guy. And so, like, they have that sort of feeling of breeziness and just fun. Um, let's see. Upon, uh, upon this first session's airing, Peel likened Morrissey's closing falsetto of, uh, of what difference does it make to the distant cry of a herring gull. Just like kind of a funny funny guy. <laughs> I can't remember if it's uh John Peel's show or another radio show, but there is a broadcast of like how soon is now where it's interrupted um by a voice that just says like Bo Diddly, Bo Diddley, where is your drum or something like that. Um because it's a bow diddly like strumming style that johnny Marr is using on that a- anyways just yeah. kind of a cool guy i i love i love the radio persona of john Peel. oh yeah um another notable thing about this session is uh miserable lie which i don't know how how do you feel about this version of miserable lie opposed to the uh to the debut albums I guess I um
1: I really like this one a lot um, Miserable Light well so uh, this is I think an opinion that you and I both sort of share Kaz is um, you and I both really love the debut album mm-hmm. that they put out in 84 um, but if I'm correct and correct me if I'm wrong I would say that we probably appreciate their later stuff a little bit more I would say yeah. that maybe some of the songs on their debut are a little um, either overthought or over-deliberated. I don't know. For some reason, Miserable Eye is always one that sort of just didn't really like stick much with me on the debut. It doesn't click. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's one that I always sort of just don't really pay much attention to. Um, but this this session version of it, has something else going on
0: yeah it it feels a little bit more raw power i guess you know yeah and then i i think there's always some novel fun in johnny marr trying something new and this is the only version of miserable lie that i know of where he's just wailing away on a harmonica (laughs) midway through it you know yeah (laughs) um And so it does make it a little bit more fun, I think, than the debut album version, which kind of... It doesn't feel by the numbers, but it can feel a little grating at times. Yeah.
1: If there's... Well, and I'll, I'll say this. I think for everything that I love about The Smiths, I think maybe one thing that, like, is always a little bit of a... They don't always fall into this, but usually, if there's something that I don't like about a Smith song, it's usually the way that the recording on the album like feels, either overproduced or, like I said, like overthought. I think sometimes maybe they spend a little too much time thinking about it, trying to perfect it, and so I think that these John Peel is a really good like foil for that because I think he just brought out whatever, like, natural energy they had whenever they just had to be like, okay, we have to do this, just this take, okay, and we're just going to go with this, you know, whatever it is that we put out. I think he was really good about bringing that out of them, just like, okay, we got just one take, um, let's just, like, play it, you know, however it comes most naturally to us. And that really, really works for the Smiths, especially some of these songs like "Miserable Lie" that I think are um, not usually ones that like resonate with me all that much. This one really sings. Um, I think this, you know, I think that style of just like okay, we just whatever the first the first thing that comes to us, let, let's just play it that way. Um, I think I really, really like that.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a huge testament to uh the Smiths as musicians as well that they're able to do something like this yeah. like it's very, very impressive and granted you know john peel he did have a whole team of people behind him, like he wasn't a one man show like producing and broadcasting all of these records, but he was he was the ringleader uh not the ringleader of the tormentors but the ringleader um, <laughs> and he he was able to pull off the show and make it. Make it work very, very well. Morrissey might have some things to say about that. Like I think he mentions in his autobiography that he never actually met John Peel at any of the sessions, and he never went, he never came to a gig, which I find very, very hard to believe. Like, yeah. Um. But whether whether or not Morrissey wants to editorialize his life like that is up to him. We know the facts. This was the first of what would become four John Peel sessions for the Smiths. So this was in May 83 and the next one they come back for is in September 1983. And according to an interview that Johnny Marr gave in 2011, he claims that he wrote This Charming Man specifically for this Peel session. Uh he said, I wrote this charming man for a John Peel session. I just leapt out leapt out of bed and wrote it. It was a culmination of trying to find a way of playing that was non-rock but still expressed my personality. Um and it's just kind of interesting like cuz I think because of the order of release that we get in the Smiths discography itself, so like the debut and then Hatful of Hollow later. That the common thought is well they did like they kind of developed this charming man into something a little different for the John Peel show. But this uh this version of this charming man on the second Peel session which you can find on Hatful of Hollow was the original version of this charming man and then the single version is the one that it developed into. Right. I don't know. Interesting stuff that that kind of blew me away when I was uh doing research for this because that was definitely what like the timeline that I had in my mind was, oh, you know, the single version first, and they kind of like messed around with it, did a cool different version for John Peel. Yeah, but also that Johnny Marr was just like, I need a cool new song for John Peel. I think that's I think that's hilarious. <laughs> um. But this P.L. session is also remarkable for another reason. This was actually the first time that these songs had ever been put down in a studio. It was actually the first time that they probably had ever been played for other people. Like, they had not been played live. Um, And these are classic Smith songs as we know them on Hatful of Hollow. This is This Charming Man, Back to the Old House... This night has opened my eyes. And still ill. All of which, like, are Like, I know a lot of people prefer this version of this charming man. I would say most everybody prefers this version of Back to the Old House. Still ill, I think, is a toss-up. But if there's one thing that I feel like is unanimous throughout every Smiths fan that I know, it is an utter... Love for this night has opened my eyes, and especially Andy Work's bass line on this night has opened my eyes. And according to Simon Goddard's uh, book, "Songs That Saved Your Life," it was never recorded again, quite to the group's satisfaction. Never like the John Peel session here. What the heck? <laughs> there was some magic in the room when they recorded this day.
1: <laughs> can i can i jump in and make a, for it. a comment there so um oh hang on i just put myself on the spot and then i went blank <laughs> do you ever do that to
0: yourself you're like oh wait i have some i just lost it you know oh i will often say i have a question and the person will say oh okay ask i've forgotten the question <laughs> But it's only questions, never something like, I have a comment, because yeah. I think I'm too self-important, I guess. Yeah. No, but um, I think,
1: I don't know, I th- I think that it's really, okay, I remember what I was going to say now. The thing that's incredible to me is that this, and well, I guess maybe it's a little different in the UK, because the Smiths had already had some singles out by this point, right? This is 83, isn't it? Yes. So they, they had already had a few singles out at this point, hadn't they? Or
0: I, I think just Hand in Glove. Just Hand in Glove.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that, that is, I think, goes to my point even more. Um, You know, this is a band that I think at this point, if anybody knew them, it was either through like their Hand in Glove single or just live gigs that they were doing. So this is a major radio show on BBC One. And they hardly even have any, like, recorded material out yet. And they're, yeah. like... That's crazy to me that they're already, like, doing this... I mean, uh, maybe they didn't realize it at the time, but we know now as this, like, monumentous uh, series of sessions with one of the best, you know, radio DJs of all time. Um, I just wanted to point that out real quick because that's crazy to me. I think that that is a testament, one, to, like, how obviously really good. The Smiths were even just in their sort of gigging phase. And then also, you know, how much, uh, you know, foresight and taste I think John Peel had for, for bands that he knew had potential.
0: Absolutely. Like gosh, dang, just some, just some great, uh, like musicians and music oriented people, uh, lining up for, uh, for this sort of thing to happen yeah um and yeah it is staggering to think like how like this band has technically had more songs played on bbc radio than they have songs available (laughs) (laughs) and i think that's really really interesting yeah um it's also of note from this session uh that Jeff Travis, upon listening to the band uh, and specifically listening to uh, this version of This Charming Man, immediately said, this has to be the second single. This has to be. And, you know, say what you will about Jeff Travis, this may just be the best decision of his career. <laughs> um, also, real fast, I don't want to take up too too much of your time. We are at like 37 minutes recording if you'd like all right cool
1: yeah no you're 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 good yeah all we right. can keep going
0: all right so the smiths take uh about a year off of playing peel um but they come back for their third session in august of 1984 to play william it was really nothing nowhere fast rush Home ruffians and how soon is now? Um, this one is a little bit more interesting. We don't have, I think, any of these recordings on uh, like compilations, um, but rather most of these recordings were just released as B sides for uh, for Last Night I Dreamt That Somebody Loved Me, <laughs> which, if I remember correctly was the very last uh, Smith's single um released December 1987 um so these songs are kind of kind of interesting and weird um but they are cool as well uh were you able to listen to the session Ethan um
1: i was i i not in as much like i did it while i was doing other stuff but yeah
0: i did I did get a chance to listen to it, yeah no, i like I don't uh expect you necessarily to just like sit down and have a blindfold on and like <laughs> put on your headphones um that would be a great exercise sometime, but I'm not going to require that up that the uh, i
1: maybe I should do that as part of my like music listening
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. But, yeah, no, these are very interesting sessions as well, yeah um do you have a certain song that you wanted to that you wanted to to talk about of these four, like uh William, nowhere fast Russian ruffians, How soon is now yeah, um I think well
1: I think one that is really interesting, obviously uh how soon is now, yeah. I think the thing that's interesting to me about that is that, like, the version of that song that everybody really, like, knows, which is on... Mm-hmm. They they had the, the single first, and then it was on um, Half Full of Hollow, I think, afterwards, right? Or, well, it's the same version, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so... It's, it's first release was as a B-side on William. It was really nothing. That's right. And then... Everybody was like, "This song is so amazing, and so uh they stuck it on hatful of hollow, and then everybody was really like, This song is so amazing, and so then they released it as a single <laughs> that's
1: I had forgotten that that was the 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 history of that. I think that's so funny
0: yeah it, it's not often that you get a b side released as a single, and that it still does decently well it wasn't the major hit that it should have been at the time because people already owned two other versions of it yeah not even two other versions the same version just on two other uh two other releases releases yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah the thing that's interesting to me about that is i think that um so much of the success of that song is in the like the studio composition of it because it's like the way I understand, I mean, the whole, all like the exper- tremolo effect. Yeah, all the experimentation that Mar did to sort of get that sound, um, probably difficult to replicate live because I think that if I have it correctly, like they had like recorded it sort of in separate parts and then like cobbled it all together. Um, cobbled is a, a crude term. They uh, uh, like they made a shoe out of it, you know. <laughs> they had elves helping them. Um, yeah. It melded it together in a really natural. Is that how they did it? Like they didn't all do it all at one time, right? Yes.
0: Yes and no. Yes. So, and no. Uh, Johnny Marr basically recorded like one guitar track um, that him and John Porter then ran through a bunch of different amplifiers, put up a microphone in the middle, and manually like would turn would turn the tremolo switches to get the desired effect but they kept going out of sync and so they kept having to stop it and then reset all of their equipment and then start doing it again <laughs> um and so you are right that they kind of did have to cobble it together mm-hmm. um but it was a lot more analog than you might initially think yeah so yeah well so
1: there you go I th- I think just knowing the, the like history of how that song was recorded seems like it'd be really difficult to replicate in a live s- setting, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's just you and your band. You know, we're just doing this, just the four of us. Um, but I think actually they pull it off fairly well. in in, in this session, I still prefer like the official, one that was on uh you know the b side and then half will follow and then the single um Mm -hmm. but like for for a, you know just a brief radio session i think that's you know pretty good it stands on its own as a i think its own uh entity that should be maybe not compared to the the studio version but um Well studio they were both in studios, duh. Yeah. The you know what I mean.
0: But the official release. The official
1: release. There you go, thank you. But I think it should be sorta considered as its own separate life. Um and compared in that way. Um you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I mean yeah. I think a lot of this session in particular, like the songs are kind of different. However what you were saying about this song being replicated really well. Is partially true uh-huh. because it's not entirely fact that it was replicated so much as it was copied <laughs> um, that, that so knowing true. knowing how difficult it was to actually get the effect that he wanted instead what Johnny Marr did is he just took like the tapes that had the tremolo guitar on it to the John Peel session and just essentially plugged them in and said, I'll do all the other guitar stuff, but I'm not doing this over again. Is that how you did it? you just brought the yeah. track with him? Oh, okay.
1: Well see that there you go, that makes sense. Like it's <laughs> the difficulty of uh, trying to do that again, I think sort of Yeah, that makes sense that they would do that.
0: Yeah, plus I mean like according according to myth and legend um essentially him and John Porter just did a, like a whole ton of weed and worked on just the guitar tremolo effect pretty much for like an entire evening so like 8 to 10 hours i would not want to do that again for <laughs> a john peel session yeah um if i was if i was him that's actually really funny <laughs> um but yeah, I think these uh, these recordings are really good. Um, I especially love the recording of Nowhere Fast. I think I, I just love Nowhere Fast as a song. I think it's so much fun. Um, but besides that, I think you know they're they're notable and they're good listens. But I would not say like they are necessarily the definitive version of any of these songs. No, definitely not yeah uh,
1: do you think maybe that's probably why it wasn't like none of those were included on any compilations? Maybe the band like realized, okay, like these are these are just okay,
0: yeah, i I, I think so. I mean, between that and like they recorded them in eighty four um, and so like you do see like uh, songs that they hadn't technically released yet, like William or like Rush Ulm or like nowhere fast i mean how soon is now technically as well but um specifically with rush and nowhere fast they still had like some time in the studio to develop them a little bit further and to really perfect them um and so I, i i totally understand why again like you were saying you know version hunter these are cool versions but they're not the definitive version
1: yeah it's like um it's like getting different copies of the same like action figure like you can you can get a (laughs) so stupid You, you can you can get like the original like uh like the original like superman action figure but then you could also like because toy companies love to make money you could also be like oh i can also get like communist superman or like green glow-in-the-dark superman or i can get like superman like with like cyborg guy like stuff like that
0: please tell me you have communist superman
1: i don't have communist superman but it's that's the thing did you know that that was the thing
0: I have I've never heard of communist Superman before. Please <laughs> yeah. send me that after we're done with this I'll, show.
1: I'll send you some info on that. That'll be a that'll be a fun little thing for
0: you. Oh, that's that's ridiculous. I was in my head. I was seriously like, "Are you about to talk about like WWE action figures right oh, now?" That's
1: what I should have compared it to. That's that's <laughs> perfect. Oh man.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of heavy hitters. um, let, let's go to John Peel session 4 so John Peel session number 4 um i absolutely adore this session like i love i love the sessions that later became hatful of hollow partially cuz i grew up on them yeah but what i was saying before i think about like um uh what was it miserable lie how that one had some raw power to it this one is like nothing but raw power and like guitar virtuosity from johnny marr so this (laughs) is is it really so strange london half a person and sweet and tender hooligan is it really so strange and sweet and tender hooligan would later go on to be included on louder than bombs although i think mixed slightly differently than um than how they appear on this session, but holy f- <laughs> Johnny Marr's guitar work on these set of tracks, I think, is amazing. Like, I don't care what anybody wanted to say about uh, about The Smiths, and like, I know Johnny Marr at this time was going through a very similar thing of like. Everybody was calling the Smiths a fet and wake and jangly and, like, they didn't have any meat on their bones and whatever, uh, figuratively, of course. Uh, well, yeah. This is, like, this is raw and it's heavy and it's hard. Oh, I love these songs so much! All right, I'm sorry you need a you need to talk. Otherwise, I'm just gonna keep gushing.
1: Well, do you do you know I do love hearing you gush. That's that's how I've discovered so many of the things that I come to love these days <laughs> is because you gushed about them first. Um, I,
0: well, I appreciate that.
1: Oh, sure, sure. No, I totally agree with you. I think that um. I think I could compare like the effect of something like this to like maybe the b be- well if i could make a a comparison so crude as uh, to the beatles because everybody compares everything to the beatles but this is a very specific one so this this will make sense in context so the beatles obviously being a very like sort of pop heavy sort of easy listening sort of band um you know one could say like oh you know they just sort of just twee like they're not gonna you know stick around for very long even given as popular as they are and then they come out with a white album and they have like some stuff on the white album that almost borders on like metal some of them like yeah I, I love when a band that is usually more sort of uh jangly and a little more poppy like kind of shows their teeth a little bit and that like i i love i love these songs um london i think is a really good one in this session yeah this is great stuff
0: i love like the guitar overdubs that johnny Marr has got going on like these very like whining like screeching guitars Mm. oh i love london so much (laughs) like this version like the official release of london i think it's pretty good. I wish it had been this one, though. Like... Yeah. Oh, it it gets my blood going. I want to jump up and around and throw my fists in the air. And, yeah, I want to spit into the wind. That's <laughs> the sort of feeling that this song gives me. Yeah.
1: After checking to make sure you know which direction the wind's going so that it doesn't, like,
0: come back. Uh... No. I listen. I'm I'm fine with it. <laughs> Dang. Okay. So this,
1: this is really effective then.
0: Yeah, I'm a freak like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then half a person. I feel like it kind of escapes some of the more like, like rah, heavy like, uh sort of stuff that you get from like London Sweet and Tender Hooligan, but also Morrissey's just like vocal performance on this. Is so 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 good, yeah. That's true. Like, I and this is also 83, yes. Uh, this oh, sorry, I should have mentioned this up top. So, oh, that's fine. Uh, the session with Is It Really So Strange London, Half a Person, and Sweet and Tender Hooligan, uh, was first broadcast on BBC Radio in December of 1986. 86. So, okay,
1: so this is a few years after their first couple of sessions, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that okay, that changes my comment a little bit cuz they've already been uh, around for a little while at this point. Um close to the the end of their career almost.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I I think technically um they might have played their uh their last gig by this point. Let let, let me double check that. Um the Smiths and their songs in concert. Um Okay, yeah, so their last gig was the twelfth of December nineteen eighty six, uh, I believe. Oh, okay. Um They technically would have like one more like studio like T V performance, sorry, but it was a mimed T V performance, so it doesn't count as a real gig. Um yeah. So, yeah, so this was technically, like, uh, their last, uh, it, it was technically uh, broadcast after their last gig. I don't know if it was um, a recorded 2nd of December 1986, um, but broadcast on the 17th of December. So, okay, you know, the Smiths at their very tippy-top shape.
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay. So yeah, so what I that yeah that changes what I was gonna say a little bit. What I was gonna say is um, if this was around the same time as like those other Peel sessions, um, those of you who've like know much about like the Smiths sort of early phase, like their eighty two eighty three, like phase, like the the Hacienda show, like Mm -hmm. those of you guys who know about sort of that early stuff. Uh, Morrissey takes a little bit of time, I think to find his, uh, his sound and to like really get comfortable with his voice. So I was going to say, if this was around the same time, like this is a big jump. Like this is like, Oh wow. Like Morrissey's on top of the world with his vocals here. Uh, although if it's 86, that makes sense then. Cause he was already, you know, sort of really in his, in his groove by this
0: point. So yeah, he was in his bag. Oh yeah. He had that uh, bag. He had that bag, and he will hold on to that bag for a while, because he refuses to pay royalties. (laughs) Um, Bag of royalties. Yeah. Um, But anyways, um, Morrissey slander aside, um, which is a joke, by the way. Yes. Um, Yeah, so... Uh, is It Really So Strange and Sweet and Tender Hooligan were both previously attempted with Craig Gannon, but it was ultimately these versions that would end up on the uh, on the B-side of Sheila Take a Bow and on uh, Louder Than Bombs. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense that they are. They're very, very good. Um, and I think they highlight uh, this quality about uh the smiths but also john peel who i would definitely say is the star of this episode um yeah in that like music is something to be taken very very seriously and you can attempt things multiple different ways at multiple different points and still have uh good artifacts of of music and you can uh you can use these opportunities meeting other people or uh, playing around different venues, different mediums and bring in a whole variety of people that way. Like you mentioned at the very top of the well, at the very middle of the show Ethan (laughs) um, (laughs) like the Smiths had exactly two songs officially released Uh, meanwhile they had recorded a total of 8 for their uh for their BBC sessions uh with just with John Peel not even including David Jensen or whatever oh yeah uh it gave them such a wonderful wonderful opportunity and the smiths repaid john peel uh by making his versions the versions that they liked the best and they would put it on uh on their like compilation albums on <laughs> Hatful of Hollow, which was meant as a slight apology for the debut album. <laughs> um, I, I I just love this very sort of symbiotic relationship that they had at this time, and like Pete Townsend, who I mentioned up top. I feel like we need that same sort of uh, that same sort of influence back in music, that. We don't get caught up on trends, but that we take the things that we like, sometimes dangerous, sometimes newfangled, we create waves. And I feel like we absolutely are in need of another John Peel today. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, not that I'm saying we should take on that role, but... Um... Why don't we? Why don't we go and recommend some songs for some people real fast yeah. <laughs> before you need to take off?
1: I I would love to do that. All right, we should we should do that and then we should uh, if there's any like Morrissey news that we can gripe about. I don't know if there's anything <laughs> new going on.
0: Um, there 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 prob there probably is. Hold on, I I can look it up. In in, in the meantime uh you wanna you wanna hit' them with uh with some songs that you wanna recommend you got you got three slots Ethan. oh yeah
1: top top three let me let me uh decide what i wanna put in those slots there um well i know Kaz, this isn't necessarily your bag um if we had our friend Linda good on the show she would probably Appreciate this. Uh, this is uh, some a little bit of metal. Is that? Do you think we're gonna scare people away if I recommend some metal?
0: Um, you know what? No, we 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 talked about like the hard uh the hard edges of that last peel session. I think as long as not every single one of your recommendations is metal, we'll be we'll be chilling.
1: Oh, I can I can limit myself. I think it'll be okay.
0: <laughs> and
1: actually like this isn't metal necessarily. This is more well, you know what a hardcore fan I am. Or, or yeah. what a fan I am of hardcore. Uh So the band this is a newer band called Turnstile. Uh Turnstile is sort of a hardcore punk thrash crossover band. So sort of dips into like some sort of metallic sounds but it's also not completely this this is still very like uh melody friendly stuff this is stuff that like is also enjoyable to listen to if you're not super into the heavy stuff um i would recommend people check out the song wild world and that's spelled W-I-L-D W-R-L-D So not Wild World but Wild World. Alright. By the band Turnstile. I would recommend that. Um, I would also recommend so recently I've been going back and listening to uh, some Sam Means. Love me some Sam Means. Yes. Uh um formally you... of the format.
0: Yes. I was I was just about to say, if you aren't familiar with Sam Means, you might be familiar with the format. Um and absolutely. The the, the Johnny Moore of the format. Yeah. That's you know, that's a really
1: good way to put it. I'd never thought of that before. <clears throat> that actually makes a lot of sense. Um So from his album Ten Songs, which everybody should check out um, Yes, whether or not you're uh, familiar with the format or Sam uh previous work I think everybody should check out that album um, I think from this album I'll, I'll go ahead and go uh, sort of obvious I'll just say the song We're Alone uh, track 2 from 10 songs Yes. Uh, people should listen to by Sam Means. And I think to wrap it up, wrap up my picks. Um, Okay, so there's a synth pop sort of started off as synth pop and then sort of went into uh, the realm of the experimental and the jazzy is a group called talk, talk
0: talk oh i know talk talk
1: yeah i, I i've probably talked talked about talk talk to you before um very very good band and one that i think in in any conversation about like artists or groups that started very poppy <laughs> and radio friendly and then went sorry i'm
0: still just laughing at talk talk to you about talk talk all right <laughs> keep going <laughs> jesus I'm
1: I'm glad you appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but, like, in conversation about any groups that, like, started off very, like, radio-friendly and sort of poppy and then went uh, less and became more experimental, um, Talk Talk's always sort of uh, in those kind of dis- – or should be in those discussions. Um, but I don't want to re- recommend a Talk Talk song. So, Mark Hollis – the lead singer and sort of uh brains behind well creator basically of talk talk it was his band he later on in 1998 had a solo album called mark hollis and the track that i think everybody should listen to from that is a song called the watershed from mark hollis's only solo album that he ever did um very very good song and i love this album a lot so yeah so wild world by turnstiles uh we're alone by sam means and the watershed by mark hollis nice yeah and that's that's enough out of me
0: (laughs) all right um i enjoyed that i enjoyed it very much oh thank you um and then um on my end um i looked up morrissey news um and the news is there is no news Capitol records still won't release bonfire of teenagers um an album that was supposed to come out in 2021 and like frankly i i've kind of stopped following new morrissey albums because i feel like the last few that have been released have not been very very good um and you know I'm a, I'm a little upset by that but like um, Rebel uh, Rebels Without Applause I thought was actually a pretty dang good song I, I, I really liked it um, and everybody that had been to Morrissey gigs that he had been uh, performing um, in preparation for the album coming out everybody said these are really good songs this might be Morrissey's like best stuff since uh since the mid 90s and I'm really upset that Capitol Records won't release the album cuz listen if the album is good then you're depriving fans of spending money on a very good album and you're uh, like I don't understand the point in not releasing it and if it's really bad you are essentially creating for yourselves, like the 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 best possible scenario of not releasing it if it's bad. Is you're creating this weird sort of like EMI sex pistol scenario where you become a massive, uh, a massive villain in fans' eyes, and it would be better to just release the bad album, <laughs> and for everybody to go, oh, this was bad. Okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay i i don't understand this move on capital records part at all yeah well and
1: plus like if that's the case the latter then that just gives morrissey a martyr complex which he doesn't need at this point
0: yeah um all is right there, oh i was sorry, just gonna go say is it.
1: there uh, so i'm i haven't kept up with morrissey's recent stuff like at all so is there um like a reason why they didn't release it
0: not not that i'm aware of um morrissey is a controversial figure is probably the reason Mm -hmm. um but i mean heck it's not like they're it's not like they're saying oh well you know due to morrissey's actions recently we feel like it's not right they're they're just refusing to release it like now, maybe if Morrissey had, say, done copious amounts of drugs and, you know, uh, started threatening people and kidnapping a child from Hawaii and then <laughs> evading, uh, evading arrest warrants and etc. cetera, et cetera, et cetera um, there would be reason not to release it. But obviously that doesn't even that's not even the case when that does happen. <laughs> if you know what I'm if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm very much dating this episode if uh <laughs> if you're listening to this years in the future. Oh yeah. Um But anyways, I guess I will date the episode with this anyways. So my first pick uh for the playlist is is uh from the new black honey album A Fistful of Peaches. Um this is an album that uh the the British group uh Black Honey who I think are from Brighton. Yeah, they are from Brighton. Um they're kind of like um I I don't know, how do I how do I put this? I have described Black Honey as What I want the band Pale Waves to sound like, but I think I will describe them today as like a more a more volatile Wolf Alice, I guess.
1: Oh, there you Um,
0: go. Yeah, and Wolf Alice already can be pretty like explosive, Um, but. I I think I'll start, I I, I think I'll do uh, the song Charlie Bronson, which is just the first song from this album, which, yeah, um, good stuff. Honestly, actually, if I I wanted to just go based off of, like, what I've been listening to just on repeat and on repeat, it's gotta be Bleached, who are, like, an, uh, I think, Los Angeles-based group. They've released a ton of uh, a ton of stuff over the years, um, and I'm hoping that they release more stuff soon because they seem to be on a three uh, a three year cycle with their albums. And it's been four years since the last album, so mm-hmm. uh, you want to explain that to me, Bleached? Um, but I've been just kind of going through their back catalog, but i think today i will highlight the song flip it uh which is their latest release came out in 2022 um very clever um <laughs> and just uh i i, I love it. it it uh the band is based around like these two sisters um jennifer and jesse i believe so like jen and jess um no jessica my bad um very very fun i like them a lot uh got a good rock sound to them um and finally for my uh for my last one um i will also say uh the song fuzzy by grant lee buffalo a uh sort of acoustic folksy singer-songwriter from the early nineties, I love that song so much, uh similar vein I think to like I don't know, I'd say like a bridge between mazzy star and Elliot Smith, I guess,
1: yeah, I'd never thought of that's actually a really good way to describe Grant Lee Buffalo, yeah,
0: um but yeah i I love Grant Lee Buffalo yeah um. Especially like that era.
1: Oh yeah, should should have been a bigger deal than they they were. Yeah, a- absolutely. But it, um, but isn't that the story for almost everybody that we like?
0: Yeah, um, but those are those are my picks, um, and I guess just to round out this recording session that we probably have let way loose from us. Um, <laughs> um, let let's pick out a few Smith songs that we talked about. I like uh songs that have been released because obviously we can't put uh ones that haven't been officially released on spotify playlists for you guys um i absolutely want to say sweet and tender hooligan mm, yeah from from pl 4 yes um
1: give me just a second i'm trying to pull up i'm trying to pull up the ones that have been like officially released
0: here, I I got you, B. Oh, thanks, bro. Um, UK television, um, alright, so the ones that have been officially released are Handsome Devil, Reel Around the Fountain, What Difference Does It Make, This Charming Man, Back to the Old House, This Night Has Opened My Eyes, Still Ill, um... Is it really so strange and sweet and tender? Hooligan. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'll. So sweet and tender. Hooligan, yes, that I support that one hundred percent. All um, right. I'm gonna say I really like the the peel version of this charming man. Um, I'm one of those people where I think. I think just because I've heard the official release so much that like, when I listened to half full of Follow and heard the Peel version of This Charming Man. Um, I think it just gave me a little something new to appreciate about a song that uh, had kind of not, like, been done to death for me, but, like, it wasn't really doing anything new for me. Um, just because I, it's one of the Smith's biggest songs, and I'd heard it so many times. So it was just a nice, like, oh, this is a really cool, like, new way to look at the song, especially with the inside of, like, this was how like it was originally done before they put it down
0: on wax (laughs) yeah absolutely i was all of all of what you said same thoughts running through my mind um and in that vein i will also say we should uh we should throw back to the old house on there absolutely um mm, just fantastic track I learned how to play it on guitar the other uh, the other week, and I was just so in love with it.
1: That's a wonderful song, yeah, and yeah. I love the Peel version of it. Um, I will also say, I'll say I really love the version of uh, "Handsome Devil." I think that that's a really good one. Absolutely, yeah,
0: "Handsome Devil," fan, fantastic. Yes. Alright, well, I think that is our playlist completely rounded out for this week. And you can find that by searching our Spotify, uh, our Spotify uh, profile page, not our podcast page. Um, and that will be under the playlist title, Smith's Cyclopedia Episode 10. We hope to see you there, and we hope that you listen to all these songs and love them. Yeah. All right. We will also wish Ethan a very, very fond farewell for this episode. I'll stick around for a few more things. Ethan, got anything else you want to say?
1: Um, Listen to the Smiths. Yeah. No, I, um, if you need any, like, convincing to, to listen. I'm assuming if you're listening to the show, you've probably listened to the Smiths. But if you need any convincing, um, a, a – unlikely smiths fan that i discovered is um phil anselmo of pantera is a big smiths fan so if you need convincing um people like that listen to the smiths and so should
0: you there we go all right bye ethan we'll see ya all right now that we're uh now that we're back to just you and i um i want to give a big thank you to ethan for coming on the show um just ah always so 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 helpful I I, I really appreciate having him on the show um, but with that let's go into the next section of our show which is mail <laughs> So this is the mail portion of the show um it's something i haven't done recently um just because we haven't been getting a ton of mail and i would love to get a ton of mail um i love to hear other people's stories um about the smiths and about their lives it it really means so much to me um you can reach the show by our socials which are instagram and tiktok mainly Um, and you can find us on all of those at smithcyclopedia spelled the same way as it's spelled on your podcasting app of choice, or you can also email us at smithcyclopedia at gmail.com. Um, again, we want to hear from you. So, uh, first on the chopping block today is over on our TikTok. Uh, I just made like this video and somebody commented asking me what some of my favorite, uh, Smith songs were, and so I made a a video response to that, which you can find. Um but I wanted to really uh take the time to highlight this one message I got from uh from a listener named Ella, uh also known as Rushholm the Ruffian, on Instagram, and she said, Hi! I somehow managed to skip the first ep- episode of Smith's Cyclopedia by accident, so I'm just now getting to listening. And I really related to a lot of the things you said about the group, and how you knew them growing up, but didn't get, uh, didn't get into them, until, into whoa, hold on, I I cannot read. Uh, but didn't get into them until later years and becoming obsessed with them. I really loved that episode, um, and then uh and then she sent this like image of like uh like a cartoon man just sobbing pools pools and puddles of tears um holding up the uh the banner image or uh whatever for some encyclopedia, and honestly, ah, uh, that just made me cry <laughs> just a little bit um knowing that like you know uh, I'm able to have these sort of interactions Um, and so I asked her if it would be okay if I could uh, if I could give her a shout out uh, in this episode and she said OMG yes that would make me so happy and it's no problem I just really admire you and it's nice knowing that there's someone out there who loves the the Smiths as much as me and I get to hear about it through your podcast Um, yes, very, 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 very happy that I get to, uh, play a role like this as well, um, because really, this is just an obsession of mine, and, um, I would love, love, love to be able to, uh, to be able to hear more from you guys, and to be able to have more of these types of interactions, because it's really cool, and I know that, like, um, a couple of people have even shared like my music, uh, and they found like my music through Smithcyclopedia. and I'm just very, very happy that I get to talk and interact with so many of you like this. Um That does bring me to a next point that I have, though. Um, as much as I love uh, being able to do the show. I am afraid that I will not be able to do it at quite the same frequency that I have been recently. See, in addition to doing this podcast, I am mainly a, uh, a student and a musician on my own. Um, and I haven't been in school this past semester and I haven't been working really. Um, and that means that pretty soon I'll need to go back to uh, to school and I'll need to get a job so that I can continue to pay rent and eat and all that good stuff. Um, and so instead of doing these episodes on a weekly basis, I will probably start switching over to a biweekly basis, um, meaning every other week. And it will be a little... Uh, a little more difficult to just try to balance everything but I do still want to keep this going because I really really appreciate uh, the sense of community and uh, the ways that people have found more of like the stuff that I'm really really proud to have uh, to have done and to have made but I will look into how I can get the show uh, out to you best so still uh, show will still be happening. It'll just move from a weekly release schedule to a biweekly release schedule. But that's all of the news on my end. That's all of the Morrissey news. That's all of the news that we had for uh, for John Peel today. Um, so thank you very 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 much for listening. Um, go follow Ethan. Uh, I'll put his um, I'll put his Instagram handle down in uh, the description and i will also put uh the information for uh our socials our email and the spotify uh spotify playlist for this episode anyways it's been a real treat and a joy and i'll see you on the next one goodbye